Good morning. Many of us have read and heard about the Great Commission, Matthew 18 through 20. I'd like to share with you a verse, uh, verse 18, and only two words in verse 19, to give you just a little glimpse or a snapshot of the impact that this had on our Dominican tour trip. Then Jesus came to them and he said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me, therefore go. And we went. There was ten of us. Caleb Barry, Autumn, Greg, Greg Rush, his wife Carsey, Nathan Evans, Donna Evans, Jesse Cherry, even Vic. <laughs> did you ever think Paul Heisman would go on a mission trip? He did. <laughs> and myself. <laughs> did we have questions about what we were going to do? Let's see. How are we going to speak to these people when we don't know Spanish? Well, there was one person that knew some Spanish and, and uh, uh, I learned on my phone uh, I had a, uh, they showed me I could get a, uh, I get, get an app and look at it. I think the, lear the word I learned was uh, manzana, which means apples. So I, I, I spoke a lot of Spanish. Everything was apples to me, you know. Uh, but w the questions, did, did we have questions? What about security? You know, if you listen to the news, you know, the Dominican Republic is supposed to be a hostile place. They're, they're, they're killing Americans down there and what, what about security? Are we going to be okay? Yeah, we had questions. What about, how many kids are we really going to have? How are we going to communicate with them? Um, or do we, are we going to have enough supplies? Uh, how many children are we, are we going to have? I mean, well, you know, we had all kinds of questions. But the fact of the matter was, we listened to God's word, and it said there was two words that stuck out to all of us, therefore go. And we did. What you're going to see in here in the next few uh, minutes, and in each and every instance, each and every question, our Lord Jesus Christ always came through. Scripture, God's word, is always true. Prayer and faith and action are the keys for any successful ministry. In James chapter 1, verses 22 through 25, I would like to read to you. It says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word and does not do what it says is like a man who looks in the mirror, or is like a man who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he's heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. After the service, you could ask any one of us that went, ask them if they were blessed by going. I want to tell you, God's word is really true. Let us pray. Our Father and our God, again, we thank you so much for the opportunity that you gave to us to go to the Dominican. We pray, Lord, that as we 
give our account that we bring honor and glory to you. We don't want anything from this. It was a privilege, a privilege that we were able to be a part, a small part of ministering to children and ministering to other people about you. Father, we pray that, that after this presentation that it might inspire other people. Whether they go to the Dominican or whether they go out their back door, it doesn't make any difference. The word is that we pray that people will go. We pray that you will go. Father, we pray again that every word, and we ask that every word that we do and say up here today, every song, every note that's played, every, every word that's uh, sung brings honor and glory to you. And we do this in the name of your precious son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Good morning. So uh, we're going to, like this conversation series Brian's been doing, just have a conversation with you here. It's going to be pretty casual. Um, we're each going to kind of share a little bit about the experience in the Dominican. Um, so you'll get a chance to hear from all of us, and you'll have an opportunity to ask some questions if you have any questions. So um, I'd like to start by just introducing you to what this mission is all about. So you saw it's called the Rising Sun Missions, is who we went to the Dominican Republic with. Um, and many of you know a little bit about them. Maybe if you heard Bill, Bill, if you want to raise your hand, so everyone, if you haven't met Bill, you're going to want to meet Bill. Um, Bill started this mission. It's only about a year old. Um, and this mission kind of started after... Um, Bill had started the Village Mountain Mission um, with God's leading, uh, and that mission is doing a lot of great work in the Dominican and building homes and medical uh, help and education and spiritual um, also um, ministry um, in the Dominican. But this ministry that we went um, with, the Rising Sun Missions, just started. Um, and so their main focus is providing for the spiritual needs of the children here in the Dominican. And so that's why you can see on this uh, first, or this next slide here, all these children. The, this is one of the reasons we think uh, that we know that God called us. It was to minister to these kids. So providing for spiritual growth for them, showing them the love of Jesus, also providing physical needs. So they're providing food to these kids. Many of them are malnourished. And then educational needs because the education system in, in this country is very uh, poor uh, compared to um, most countries. So um, that's a little bit behind the heart uh, of what this ministry is doing and meeting those needs um, of the children. And we're uh, more in the countryside in small villages. Greg's going to tell you a little bit about where we were here in a minute. So um, we were in the very, very impoverished areas of a developing country that has, what you'll notice is, you see, there's some corruption in government. There's not a lot of infrastructure. And that's why we're ministering to people who have so many needs um, in this area because they don't have electricity, uh, running water, uh, and sewage, and trash pickup even, thing, that kind of stuff. So pay attention if you can see uh, some of the details of the pictures and what you kind of see in the backgrounds um, and what that looks like. So our heart um, is for all these kids, and you can see their faces there. And we're going to tell you a little bit about uh, some of them that we met and, and the villages we were in um, here in just a moment. On the next slide, you can see um, our team. And so I just wanted to share this scripture from 1 Peter um, 4.10. It's each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as, as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. And so um, we are up here as a group of misfits, really. Uh, you'll hear a little bit about our randomness uh, in putting this team together. But we know that God called each of us, like Mike said, to just go. We really didn't know 
exactly what we were going for, uh, but we knew God said go and to put us together for a reason. And we saw that throughout the whole week as any of you that done trips like this or ministry, you can see God just using each of our individual unique gifts um, to serve and to be a part of that team. And so we want to encourage you as you hear about our experiences, I hope that you think about how God has called you to serve. Um, like Mike said, in your backyard, overseas, whatever it might be, uh, he's just calling you to say yes and to use what he's blessed you with. Um, what gifts has he given you to serve? Um, what, can you, what, what needs do you see all around you? And where do you need to step out of your comfort zone? As we know, we all were challenged to step out of our comfort zones in multiple levels um, on this trip. So I hope that you um, are inspired by that um, and get a glimpse into um, to, uh, another part of the world and give you a new perspective and a thankfulness for what we have and how we can use that to serve God and to serve all the people he loves across the world. On uh, the next slide, Greg's going to talk about um, where, where, where were we actually at? Okay, so how many people think they know where Dominican Republic is? I've had a lot of people, since they learned I was going on this trip, and, they, and it's kind of in the media about the, the tourists and stuff, I've had a lot of people ask me about it. So this map up here shows, if you look on the top, uh-oh. The top, the top edge there is the tip of Florida sticking down there, and the big island right below Florida is Cuba, and to the right of that is the, the bigger island is the Dominican Republic. It actually is part Haiti and part Dominican Republic. That's what the red arrow is pointing at. Now, this next slide is going to zoom in on the, that island of the Dominican Republic. So this is the left half is Haiti, the right half is Dominican Republic, and clear at the top, there's a couple bumps that go out into the ocean, that, that's the area that we were in. The far right side of it is where most of the tourists go. That's Punta Cana. That's where the tourism is really big right now. We were very far from that area. Um, so if you watch the, the top edge, we're going to zoom in on the top edge of the island. So this is the area that we traveled in and ministered in villages. The little red rectangle there in the middle is... The, where is the location of where our base camp was. And the, the harbor right at the top, that you can see the, the water indents in there, that's the Luperon Harbor. So we're about five, five, six miles from Luperon is where we were staying. So one more slide. So that red rectangle on the previous slide represents this. This is, this is where our base camp was. And the two white buildings kind of upper middle is the camp where we were. The one on the right is our sleeping shelter. The one to the left is the house that the missionaries that are down there full-time live in. So that is kind of the geography of where we were at. We were in a part of the country that really didn't have much tourism business. It was very um, modest living arrangements. We lived kind of like the locals do. We were sleeping in hammocks out in an open-air shelter. We were using um, an outhouse for the bathroom. We had a couple local men that cooked our meals in an open kitchen. Um, we, and we, we rode around in the back of a pickup truck and motorcycles. So the whole idea was to try to experience how these people live. Um, so I just wanted to, I wanted everybody to kind of have a 
a visual of we weren't in the tourist area. We weren't where all the money is being spent. We were in the, the impoverished area. Okay, so I'm going to kind of go over just a typical day um, that we experienced. We did went to different villages each day, which you'll hear about from the other group. But um, our day would start around 6, 6.30 with the, the two gentlemen that cooked us breakfast, um, Blast and Dione. They would walk a mile and a half to fix us breakfast. Um, they fixed it over an open flame. So you would wake up to hearing them chopping the, the kindling to get the fire started if you weren't already awoken by the, the roosters that started about midnight. Um, oh, and we did have some snorers in our little establishment. <laughs> so um, once we got up and moving, breakfast was about 7, 7.30. And um, those of you who are used to getting your nice big cup of coffee out here, we got a shot glass of coffee. They, once after the first day was over, they did realize that we were coffee drinkers, so they would brew multiple pots, but it was the drip method, you know, very, very rustic. Um, breakfast would consist of anything from like a cream of wheat type gruel to um, fried cheese and salami to eggs and always fresh fruit. Um, after we would have breakfast, we would have devotions. We had devotions every morning um, within the group. And then we would start getting ready for the day. Um, depending on which area we were going to would depend on how many of our supplies that we took. Um, Mike mentioned originally about having enough supplies. We did, um, each day when we went to the village, we would take lunches for the kids in a suitcase they would get a peanut butter sandwich and sometimes a half an apple or a half of a banana. Um, but that was a luxury to them. Um, we did a mini VBS in an hour's time. Just imagine that you people that um, volunteer for VBS. And not only did we do it in an hour, Vic was the only one that spoke a little bit of Spanish. And these kids did not understand us. We didn't understand them. But we did it. Um, we did Daniel and the Lion's Den, and they were each able to have a book. And getting back to having enough supplies, we took 181 books. We had four left over. So we had just enough. And throughout this, you'll hear about different times where God stepped in, and Paul will bring that all up in the end. Um, after we would do our, our vacation Bible school, we would give them their lunch, and then we would head back to base camp or do a little bit of exploring. Um, about 4 o'clock... Dione and Blost would walk back another mile and a half and make us supper. After supper, we would have um, our uh, recap of the day. Um, Bill called it a rose, a rose, a thorn, and a bud. You know, what was good about the day, what was the worst part of the day, what can we improve on? Um, a lot of days, a lot of evenings, we did completely, we changed our whole way of what we were going to do things because it didn't work the day before. Um, after supper, um, we did worship, which Jess um, explained. Uh, one of the things we did when we would go to, into these villages is we'd get into the back of a big red truck, and it was an agricultural truck, and it stunk. And there was 10 of us in the back of a truck, and they were not roads, paved roads like we're used to. They were bumpy, dirty, 
roads, but that's how the people get around. <laughs> get around. Um, this picture here, you can see us having some um, devotions and stuff. The one in the very lower right-hand corner, I don't know if that was Tommy the tarantula or one of the tarantulas, but that was one of the things every evening, too, after supper and before we would get ready for bed, Greg would put his little headlight on and go looking for tarantulas. And they were everywhere, everywhere. Um, once we would worship, we were about ready to go to bed. There were times when Mike would be laying in bed, worshiping in his hammock. And, you know, but we were all in bed by 9 o'clock, other than some of us stayed up reading. Autumn. <laughs> but, and then the day started all over again. So that was just a, just a, a very brief synopsis of what each day held. Okay, so we said um, that we'll give you a little view of where we, uh, of the different places we were where we went and ministered to the children. So the first place um, we went was an actual orphanage. Um, the other places are working with the kids in the villages, and then they would go back to their homes. But the first place we went was an orphanage in Porta Plata. And so um, in this orphanage, one um, thing we learned that helped might help you understand a little bit about the culture is um, it was run by Dominicans, um, which was nice. Like a lot of the ministry and the ministry that we were with, with Rising Sun Missions is trying to work with the locals because we want to be a work with their culture and help them, um, helping them help themselves and giving them um, spiritual um, growth opportunities. But the woman running the mission or the, um, the orphanage had recently had um, it was like 15, I think it was uh, of the kids were taken away. Like, so that she was um, helping in this orphanage hosting like 40 children and the government just came in and took them away. So those are the kind of things that, that, that we just, we don't understand the infra- the lack of infrastructure, I should say, and some of the, the issues and the challenges they have just in a country like that, that's developing. And so this local woman is trying to help these children and these orphans. And some of them are just taken by the government and we're not sure why and where. Um, but so our group went in and was helping at the orphanage. We did some of like our activities. So what we do in each place we went is, uh, like Carsey talked about, we would, we brought books of Daniel's and, uh, with Daniel and the Lion's Den story in Spanish and English. So giving them some spiritual lessons, but also they have the opportunity to help them with their learning their English because that's a skill that's going to help them long-term to possibly have a better job. Um, so we're trying, the mission wants to teach life skills over time so that these kids have something to to do um, so that they have um, greater opportunity for success long-term. So we'd read with them the stories. We also would do little activities. Uh, the, we did a craft, and you'll see in some of these pictures, um, they have little lion's uh, masks on. So we did a little craft activity with them. Um, we took their picture in the far, oh, and it'll be on the next slide, sorry. I'll talk about this one first. Um, there's a picture that where we're taking pictures of the kids so they don't always have pictures of themselves. We took Polaroids of them, and they really enjoyed that. Um, these pictures here are at the orphanage. Uh, the two in the middle, obviously, you can see that's their playground. And so you can see um, there's just, you might not be able to tell because I know it's small and I apologize for that. That's my fault for the pictures being so small. Uh, there's just trash everywhere, but that's, there's not, that's the part of the culture right now. I mean, like I wanted to just pick up all the trash because there were razors and, and glass and everything like all over the ground and they were running around barefoot, but it would have all been back there the next day. They don't have anywhere to put their trash. There's a, so there's, there's a lot of challenges there that make it a very complex situation. Um, but so we just went and played with the kids and loved on them and did all of our activities with them. So that's what those pictures are showing. You can see Donna's uh, on the left there holding one of the little babies. And on the right, you can see Caleb um, is actually, that's a picture of Caleb creating a basketball hoop for the kids. Um, so that's what we did a lot of times, just tried to be creative and have fun and play with them. Um, and that's what Caleb did a lot is he was good at jumping in. And he's going to talk a little bit about that with the next pictures. 
Um, so first, when we got there, <clears throat> we uh, we di- weren't exactly sure what we were doing at all. So we got there, and we were like on one side of the room, some of the kids, and we were kind of waiting for more kids to come. They were all on the other side. It was kind of like being at the zoo. We're looking at them. They're looking at us, <laughs> sizing each other up, who's going to take who. Um, and uh, we finally, uh, Mike, uh, I call him our the patriarch of the group, uh, he went over and sat with them on their side, and this little girl, which is in the top right right picture, uh, this little girl just came over and sat on Mike's lap, out like out of nowhere, we were all like, what's going on? She just sat there, and she sat on his lap like the whole entire time, uh, and then I I came over, and uh, the bottom left uh, it was a little boy. His name was Baba, and he was just the coolest little kid. And I was just got on the ground, and you're you're already like it's 95 degrees out. We were in the back of the truck on dirt roads, some some paved, but you're already dirty. Like who cares? Just get on the floor and roll around. Um, you're going to be dirty for a week, so. Uh, <laughs> And that's all they wanted. They just wanted to be loved, and they wanted they wanted someone to be there for them. Um, so that's what we did. Uh, and the rest are just us doing crafts. Uh, there's Paul, and yeah, it, it, it was a lot of fun, and the kids just loved it. That's it. Next So the next day, we went to Noviero, and um, it was our second day, so it was a little less awkward coming in. Um, We quickly uh, started playing with the kids and um, did our typical VBS-esque plans with them. Um, But the cool thing about this day was instead of just giving the kids their lunch and letting them go home, um, not only did we get to eat their, uh, eat our lunch there with the kids, um, but we got to walk them to their homes. Uh, that was probably like one of the best experiences that I had. Um, my sister and I were partnered together, and we were taking these group, this group of kids to their house, and we get there, and they're so welcoming. Um, people got out of their chairs to make sure that we had chairs to sit in, and they went and sat on a tree stump. Um, the One of the little kids uh, didn't even have a door on their room. They had, like, a curtain. Their uh, kitchen didn't have a door on it. It was, like, a separate uh, structure. It wasn't really a building. Um, but they were so welcoming, and their hospitality down there is it mind-blowing. Um, these people have very little, but they're so willing to give um, and so hospitable to anyone. Um, so in the next slide, you'll see uh, Jesse and I drinking tamarind juice. So they have a tree down there, and it has like this little pod type thing. Um, and they take the fruit out of it, and they smash it, and they make a juice out of it. Um, and we weren't going to complain because it had ice, and it was so refreshing. And then we rubbed it in everyone's face later that day that we had ice in our drinks. It was awesome. Uh, <laughs> but 
the mom of these kids um, didn't care that we spoke English and she spoke Spanish. Um, she tried to have conversation with us, and um, it, it, it kind of felt like we were just visiting our family, even though we had never met these people <laughs> in our life. Um, but it just opened my eyes to, you know, it's so different, the culture that we have in America. We have all of these, uh, like, surplus of things. Um, but how willing are we to share those things with others? Um, they have nothing. They would be willing to give you their food for the evening um, and go without so that they could give to us. Um, and so that was one of the the most uh, heart feelings things. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, that was just one of my favorite experiences of the week. So Monday and Wednesday, we went to the village of Luperon uh, two days, and we worked, yes, two different age groups. The first day we worked with the younger children, and then the second day we were with the older children. And we did um, the same thing we had done in uh, Noviero uh, the day before. We did a um, um, more condensed VBS. And so these are just some of the pictures of us working with the kids and um, doing their crafts and doing the pictures and the game. And they really had fun, I think, with all of that. Um, Luperon, the barrio is actually located on the old village um, city dump. Um, so you can imagine some of the living conditions. If you move to the next slide, um, it shows some of the homes that um, these people live in. And the bottom right-hand picture is actually um, some of the undeveloped land uh, where they haven't built anything yet. But these houses, they build these houses just out of whatever they can find. So scraps of wood or scraps of metal. And, and they're very, very small and poor living conditions. And they're in a severe drought right now. But when it does rain, the rain can get very high. And so it brings all of this old garbage and all of this dirt into their homes. And we were told that when that happens, they just stay there and they deal with it until it recedes and, and there's really nothing that they can do. So it's kind of a heartbreaking situation that they have to live in those conditions. Um, so yeah, and then the, the next slide, this actually shows, this is one of the nicer homes in the barrio. Um, this woman was considered apparently like the village mayor and she lived in one of the nicer homes. But you can see in that upper uh, left-hand picture is the inside of her house. The picture right next to that is her kitchen. And that was actually in a separate building. So she had her, her living space. And then she had her kitchen in um, a, a place right next to it. The bottom three pictures on the left is her, her washer. Um, so she actually had a washing machine to wash her clothes, unlike most of the people that just had a tub and some dirty water. Uh, the middle picture, I think we decided, was the baño, the bathroom. So that's that's their, their bathroom. And then the right-hand picture is where they shower. So just a couple of tubs and some water. 
Um, a little bit additional context on the Barrio. Barrio, as we said, was a part of uh, Lupron. Lupron's actually a a smaller city. It has a uh, harbor. Uh, ships uh, come in for hurricane season, stay there. It used to be somewhat of a tourist destination. It's not any longer. Um, the people that the Rising Sun Mission minister to are the children in the Barrio neighborhood, which is when you are in the Dominican Republic, you're traveling generally on main roads, you're in the tourist areas, everything is is brightly colored and nicely painted, and uh, the houses that are on the main drags are all very nice, and just behind those houses are where most of the Dominicans actually live. The area of the barrio, if you can imagine passing down a three-foot alley between a couple of houses, and then it turns into this shanty town that is, as Donna said, is built on a uh, on the old town dump. Um, it's these uh, forgotten children and forgotten people that the Rising Sun Mission ministers to. Just behind that uh, surface veneer for tourists, is uh, is the people that uh, the mission is aiming for? Uh, so the next slide, you'll see some pictures from uh, the village that we went to the last day. We actually went there two days as well, um, Tuesday and Thursday. So the first day was younger kids, um, the second day was older kids. Um, it's called La Grua. Um, it's actually a Haitian village. So a little bit of background on that: we were not in Haiti. Um, but in the Dominican, even though conditions are really not great, um, it's still better than it is in Haiti. So a lot of Haitians will make their way into the country illegally, and like any country with migrant workers, they work cheaper, they do jobs Dominicans don't want to do, Dominicans don't really like them. Um, so they've kind of formed this little town, we'll say. Um, honestly, it's almost like when you see refugee camps on, on the television and stuff. Um, probably even worse than that. Like they're getting their water out of a stream from a cattle field behind the area. And most of them don't, I don't know if it's just an education issue, but they don't have like basic hygiene, you know, where you would have like your kitchen and washing facilities separate from your bathroom and um, some of them don't even have any way to have a bathroom facility, like a lot of places you go have outhouses. Um, it probably had the poorest conditions that we saw there. Um, even when we toured, which I forgot in the first service, but even when we had toured the little village, um, we went and saw um, one of their shacks. They're not even, like most of the Dominicans, um, piece together metal, wood, whatever scraps they can for their homes. Um, when you go to La Grua and they might have metal or wood or they might have plastic trash that they've patched into a wall um, because they just use what they can find. And then we um, went behind some of the houses and there's like a whole area where that stream had flooded at one point and just washed it out. And if you take a wrong step, you're dropping like 12, 15 feet. Um, and they just walk that every day. Um, if you want to go to the next slide. We also, when we were working there, you can kind of see on that left-hand picture, we were just in the side yard of a church. We weren't allowed to go in the church because they didn't really want the kids in there. Um, there was a pastor there who, actually he was there on Tuesday, and then when we came back on Thursday, he was still there. He'd been in there praying for like three days, but we weren't allowed to use the church, so we were just stuck in the side yard 
um, with the sun bearing down on you and um, and one day rain, which we prayed for, so that was good. But um, you could tell, like, the kids just, they really just wanted attention. Um, the language barrier was a little bit worse here because with it being Haitian people instead of Dominicans, a lot of them didn't even speak Spanish. So they spoke, spoke Creole, um, which we... <laughs> We learned like one word of, and that was about as good as it got, but God got us through that. And um, uh, the other thing, one of the things that I, I really had a hard time with, and again, food here is just something that we take for granted. There's food everywhere. It gets wasted. Um, you know, you go to a supermarket or a restaurant, and they're throwing it in the dumpster every night. Um and I don't say this because I don't want you to judge them, and I'm not, I don't want to be judgmental, but you go to these villages and you see these malnourished kids, and even though we're giving them food, a lot of them would just hold on to that food and take it back to their parents, and the parents eat first, and then the kids get what's left. And that's kind of just a cultural thing down there. Um, I, I don't know. I kind of theorize, like, you know, they're growing up as hungry kids too, so it's, you know, maybe a self-preservation thing. But um, so even when you're trying to feed these kids, they are not getting all the food sometimes that we're giving them. So, um, yeah, that was kind of our our day in Lagrua. Oh, yes, sorry, I forgot one more thing. Um, up in the top left-hand corner, it's kind of hard to see. It's not, it, it was our most chaotic area. But one of the things that we took down with us to give to each of the villages was soccer balls. And we even had some that had, like, the gospel written out on it. And um, so we had left some in La Grua with the kids there. And when we were touring the little village, um, they actually had, lo- like, a little field-looking area that they were playing with the ball. That They had a game going with the, the ball that we had given them. So that was really cool to see as well. If you want to go to the next slide. Uh, actually, on that last slide, too, there was a picture. It was hard to see. I apologize for the size of the pictures. But we're, well, as we were walking through the villages and uh, visiting um, some of their homes, you could see they'd pulled out their books and were sharing them with their families and, and getting to read those. So that was kind of nice to see them, like, enjoying what we were able to give them with their families. Um, so that's what one of those was. So, so that gives you a little overview of each different place we went while we were there um, and kind of what that, the children were like and how we were able to minister to them. Um, here are just a couple pictures so you have an idea of what else we got to do in the afternoons. A few afternoons we got to experience some of the Dominican life, not the resort life, but the actual village Dominican life there. So we went to a church. Um, The top left-hand corner of that picture is the outside of the church. The top right-hand corner is inside of one of the churches where we went um, to participate in their um, service. Um, so on the left-hand side, that top picture, you can see it's like a one story, but they do, they were starting to build up to make it a second story. Um, and so that's what you kind of see there. They don't take out loans. They can't take out loans, but they just build things, their houses, their churches, whatever it is, as they have money. And so a lot of things look half built, half falling apart because that's just the stage they're at in the process because they don't have a lot and they're doing what they can with what they have. Um, so that church was being built. You can see there's still trash around everywhere. Um, but it was, um, a, a Bible teaching church, um, and in the right top corner, you see um, 
Donna and Vic and Jess were able to do some worship there with them. Um, and then Ian and Faith are the two missionaries who are there full time in the Dominican um, running this mission that we were working with. They're the ones that go into the village every day. So Ian helped translate the sermon for us um, while we were at this church, which gave him a big challenge. Um, and just while I'm on the topic of Ian and Faith, I'll mention they're there full time. Um, and so you can keep them in your prayers as you're thinking about these kids and praying for this ministry. You can also pray for them. They're a young couple that just dove in after college and are committed serving there right now. And they just learned the language as they were immersed. And it was really cool to see as they, we went into the villages, how much they've already been able to develop relationships with the locals. They've been there, I think seven months. Um, and people just came running to them like they did to Bill, like people respected them, um, because they were trying to work with the with the locals and, and helping in their community. So it was cool to see how the mission is already growing so much and being respected and working uh, locally. And the bottom pictures, um, these were our afternoon breaks. We would stop in a couple times. We got to stop at places and have some ice cream and some Cokes. Uh, so anything cold, because like we said, we were really hot the whole time. <laughs> so uh, you can see Mike and Paul having their ice cream and there were stray dogs everywhere. So it's just, just gave you a little experience of like, if you haven't been elsewhere, and even if you have, if you haven't been here, like expanding your worldview, like helping you understand how maybe some other people live and what life's like um, outside of America. Uh, and then the next slide, we did get to take a few uh, afternoon trips to two different beaches. The top left is um, a beautiful beach, but it was desolate. Um, it was actually, there, was a, a, there was a resort there that was just empty um, because there used to be some tourism there. Well, that's died down on that side. The other side of the island has all the tourism now. And so that's a lack of jobs for people. Um, and it's a beautiful area that's just not being used. We were the only people on that beach when we stopped by, um, but it was gorgeous. So it's, um, we pray that, you know, that we can help these kids, that this mission is helping these kids. The Lord is using it to grow them up in the Lord and with an education that'll help them have a more sustainable future and help their communities. Um, so it's not desolate. Um, and the top right is the first church of the Americas we got to visit. That's a church that Christopher Columbus built um, when he landed there on that island. And so that was a cool experience to see that, a lot of the original structure. The bottom uh, right is the other beach that we went to, and we actually rode to it on the bottom left uh, on motorcycles. And so that's their main form of transportation. So like Greg and Carsey kind of talked about, we kind of, the mission is very focused on us going there, and our purpose is to be Jesus's hands and feet and to be there for the Dominicans and not um, try to step out of our own comfort zone. And so part of that was living like, the, you know, living in, t uh, not, not even tents, sorry, living in hammocks and, and in an outhouse. But we took a ride on uh, what their typical ride is, a motorcycle. And so like in America, I was like scared to death because in America, I don't even get on a bicycle without a helmet. <laughs> and then we got on these motorcycles with random Dominican guys and rode through the mountains without any protection. It was kind of crazy. <laughs> but uh, it was beautiful. It was fun. But we experienced what life is like there. You know, it's just different. That's, that's how they live. That's how they get around. So that's, that's what that picture is, is us riding around. Um, and then the other beach where you can see the mountains in the background. So we got to see a beautiful country, work with beautiful people. Um, God's doing some amazing things. Uh, we feel like God was maybe even working on our hearts and changing us just as much as he was trying to use us to minister to these people. And so that's what we also hope that you get out of this. And, and hearing about our experiences is thinking about um, where is God calling you to step out and say yes? Where is he calling you to be uncomfortable? Um, how is he calling you to minister to the needs around you uh, and listen and listen to what he's um, calling you to do with the gifts and, that he's given you? And um, also we'd like you to think about as we have been challenged to think about how blessed we are and how much we've been given and to be thankful for that, but to use that um, and to not um, squander his resources and gifts he's blessed us with. 
Um, so I, now I think Paul is going to wrap us up. They want to save the best for last because there's no pork here, right? <laughs> it's an inside joke. They understand. Let's start off with a, um, I've got some scripture, and this is one of the devotions that we did one morning, and it's found in Joshua chapter 1, and a little bit of uh, a reference to what's going on here in Joshua chapter 1 is Moses has just died, and he's handed over uh, the Israelites to Joshua to take into the promised land, and uh, I'll be in Joshua chapter 1, starting at verse 5. It says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave to you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let the book of the, this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night. So be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. As you can see from this slide, it says um, divine appointments. And if you look real close at the A in appointments, it is the Antioch sign that is on our shirts. And we had many divine appointments this week. Even before we, we started on this mission, the first divine appointment is Bill Benson. He has started this mission. He, is, he came to our church and asked for people that might be interested in going to the Dominican. So the divine appointment with, with Bill Benson. And then the sec, another divine appointment we had was this team that was put together. Each one of us has different abilities. Each one of us has different giftings, and God put it together. A lot of these people have uh, abilities to put everything together, to be very organized. That's not me. And so we also had singers, and I noticed that we had three singers on this trip from the praise team. So I'm like, we need to get these people to lead us in praise and worship when we're there. Because how else do you get close to God? It starts with praise and worship. And we had such a, a good time of praise and worship together. And I, the, just the giftings that we had from these ladies. They even got to sing in the church that we went to on Sunday night in Lupron. And they sang a cappella. And what a blessing to hear them sing to this congregation, the Spanish uh, congregation, the Dominicans. And we also had Ian who translated the message in English from the pastor who spoke in Spanish. So we had divine appointments there. When we went to Lupron, we went to Lupron twice. And the first time we went there, we couldn't get in the church. In fact, the second time we went there, we couldn't get in the church. So I'm thinking, we're standing around for 15 minutes, half hour, going, 
we're going to have to head back to the camp. We're not going to be able to minister to these kids because we can't get in this church. So Bill, he's walking down into the city, and he's wondering who he can get a hold of. And all of a sudden, this guy's yelling, Bill Benson, Bill Benson. And, you know, he's half deaf anyway. So he, <laughs> this guy by the name of Richard comes running up to him, and Richard hadn't seen Bill in I don't know how many years, eight, ten, something like that, a lot of years. And so Richard was actually a member of this church that we were trying to get into. He had a key. So he got us into this church. Uh, what another blessing, and, and God's hand was upon it. And it happened the second time when we went back to that church. We couldn't get in. Richard was there and got us in. So God was working in that way. Um, the entire week we were praying for rain because they hadn't had rain there for probably three or four months. And so we are praying for rain. You walk on the grass. Imagine what the grass here is usually in August, September. It's all dry and usually brown, but not, not now because we're getting so much rain. But they hadn't had rain for three or four months, and it was just like walking on uh, car, yeah, cardboard or something. It was so crunchy. And so we prayed for rain. And the very last day that we were there, it rained. And it rained three different times. It didn't rain a whole lot, but God answered that rain. Also, we got pulled over once when we were in Luprom by the police. <laughs> Ten gringos in the back of this flatbed truck. And, and so the police pulled, stopped Ian, who is the mi local missionary there that we were riding around with. He wasn't wearing his seatbelt. No, no. He didn't have his driver's license. Well, he did, but it was expired. Another no, no. So we're thinking, man, we're all going to the pokey. And, and, and they said that we weren't allowed to have, ride in the back of that truck either. So Ian and this police officer, which didn't speak English, uh, were trying to figure out what to do. And we're all sitting in the back wondering what's going to happen to us. And by the time it was done, there was probably, I don't know, three, four, five different police officers walking up to us, the truck, and we're going, eh, this isn't good. Well, one of them did speak English because I heard him. I don't know if anybody else heard this guy. He said, one time and this time only, we're going to let you go. And they were back there. Mike was sitting next to the, uh, the, guy, the police officer. And the guys talk, the police officers talking to Mike in Spanish, and Mike's going, yeah, what, whatever, I don't understand what you're saying, but yeah, okay, as long as we can go. So God was with us there and let us go. We didn't have to go to jail. I can imagine what that would have been like. <laughs> the very last day that we were there, there was this little boy. We were packed up, waiting to load up into the truck to head to the airport. And this little boy, what was the lady's name? Eddie Donya. She comes pulling up. She had a nice vehicle. And this little boy who lived in one of the villages, he was probably about eight years old, maybe ten. I don't know. He wasn't very old. And he wanted to come to our camp and sing us two songs. 
And I got a picture of him. I don't know if anybody else got a picture of him. When he started singing these songs, he sang them in Spanish, don't have any clue what he was saying. But he was, had his eyes closed, had his hands raised, and he was just praising the Lord as he sang these songs. He had such a beautiful voice. And it, it was just an awesome time to see God working through this young man that ministered to us. We received so many blessings. We went there to bless these people and to take care of them. But we received probably more blessings than what they did. Just like the scripture says, be strong and courageous. I'm asking you to step out in your faith. God has a plan for your life to do something for him. He says, go into all the ends of the earth and proclaim his name. And that's what we're supposed to do, whether it's the neighbor down the street, whether it's here in Logan, people that you work with, family members, or if it's in the Dominican or who knows where. Step out in faith. One of the first meetings that we had, we were at uh, Caleb Monodam's house, and Bill Benson was there. And uh, Bill looked at us and he said, why do you want to go to the Dominican? Me, I'm like, I don't know. I don't know why I'm going to the Dominican other than God said, you need to go. And he put this team together. We stepped out in faith, and we just said, God, here we are. Use us. And he put this team together for this very time to go, and we went, like, just like Mike said. One of the other things that I've got to mention this is the food. The food we ate, these two Dominican cooks, they cooked us breakfast, and they cooked us dinner. And they also packed our lunches. The food was great. I haven't eaten that good. Well, Nancy, you're a good cook. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I want lunch today, so I better... <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. But the, the food was so good, it was delicious that they put together for us. And these two Dominican men that cooked over an open fire, it, it was delicious. It was good food. Nobody uh, lost weight on this. So I think that that's all I have. Again, we had a lot of divine appointments that week. And again, I encourage you, uh, hopefully us telling you about our trip has sparked an interest in you perhaps going next year. There's a sign-up sheet back there right now for 2020 to go back to the Dominican. I hope that people might be interested in going. If you're going for comfort, this isn't the place to go. Um, but God will bless you. I am not a person that likes hot weather. It was 95 every day. It cooled down to 75 at night, which isn't cold to me. But he got me through it. The heat didn't affect me at all. He worked in so many different ways, too numerous to count. That's all I have. I think we're going to sing a song for you right now. So bear with us. So 
worship, praise and worship really was a big thing for us down there. And one of the things, Ian and Faith, who are down there with these kids day in and day out, um, they had taught them a Spanish worship song. And so when we went down, and of course, we heard, I mean, you hear these kids just bust out singing this song, and it was just fantastic, and I think a blessing for every single one of us. So even though, you know, not everybody's a fan of singing up here, but literally all 10 of us learned this song that we could, so that we could sing the song with the kids. Um, so we're going to actually sing that song for you. Aaron has very graciously learned how to play it for us. Cause, in Spanish. Yes, in Spanish. Um, so we're going to sing through it in Spanish. We'll sing through it again in English so you can know what we're singing. Um, and then Paul's going to close us out in prayer.
Let's pray.